Welcome to the 205th episode of the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast, the weekly quiz cast where two professional quiz masters talk about how to write and host great pub trivia, as well as quizzing each other and our guests on our favorite questions of the week. I'm one half of your hosting team, Quizmaster Lee, and as usual, I'm joined by fellow master of the quiz, Mark Davis! Oh! Hey! Oh! How are you? Doing well, my friend. How are you doing? Good. I have been binging so much media. I've been not doing stuff. I've been staying home a lot, which has been a very big change in uh, my life, and I've just been binging Stranger Things and Ted Lasso, and I've been binging uh, The Sopranos, and I'm going to be binging The Boys, and I'm just kind of going through and getting caught up on stuff and catching up on stuff, and it's been nice. It's been a nice change of pace. Right on. Right on. Well, I've been well. been just, you know, going through trivia this week and, you know, kind of uh, trying out the new styles of merging in the older classic trivia categories with the category request. And uh, things got a little hot at trivia this week, I would say, even. Mm. Uh, some some A real feud, I fe- feel, is developing at one of our quiz, but we won't get too mired into that right now because we actually have to invite on a special guest, somebody that we've been wanting to have on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Finally, the stars aligned. Yes. They went through the uh, turmoil of having to come up with five questions within 24 hours because we were like, <laughs> how about this w- tomorrow? Does tomorrow work? And we finally got it together with Kenya. Welcome, Kenya. Hi there. Welcome to the no-no. Thank you. Good, good. Some of our uh, longtime listeners and Twitch players will remember you from playing on the uh, Twitch trivia, and you've also played on Zoom trivia with Mark mm-hmm. as well. That's correct. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the show. You're joining us from sunny North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, sunny <laughs> Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota, where tomorrow, I'm sorry, where yesterday morning when I went into work, it was like 49 degrees. So, yeah, wow. in summer. <laughs> All right, just real quick, Kenya, I'm going to start just recording this uh, Zoom call just as a backup for the okay. audio, just in case anything. Uh, yeah, so I gave you, you hosting duties. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mention it beforehand. All good. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, just in case. So, yeah, you, Kenya, you are a, a regular trivia player and a trivia aficionado, right? Yeah, Um I, uh, during the pandemic, was actually hosting my own uh, trivia for a while, which has gone on into um, uh, an undefined hiatus period, which may be a few months, years, decades, who knows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I also play competitive trivia online um, in Online Quiz League, as well as um, in other group formats. I have a regular team that I play with in Online Quiz League called No Better Social Distancing Than the Atlantic Ocean. And and that's because our team captain is in Scotland. So, um, so yeah, um, I do a, a fair bit of that when I'm not, you know, like working or trying to, you know, do real life stuff. But uh, right. yeah, love trivia, love writing, love playing. That's great. A long time Jeopardy fan or not so much watching uh, trivia, but more like actually playing it in like pub style trivia or online. I actually really do enjoy watching Jeopardy like when I have the chance to. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, Jeopardy's on. And then I try to play and quiz myself. And yeah, I've been doing that since I was a kid. Um, right. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a lot of people's entry point into trivia, that or Trivial Pursuit. 
Yeah, I'd say, yeah, for a lot of people, especially that 80s TV generation Jeopardy, definitely. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone wanted to try to be the smarty pants, uh, you know, to uh, compete on on Jeopardy. Right, Uh, the first person in the room to shout it out. We don't usually allow that at Trivia, the shout out of the answers, but I feel like when you're watching Jeopardy... That's oh, that's you definitely it. the culture for Jeopardy. It's like you want to yell it out as fast as you can, and yep. then you get a, an, a, a special sort of joy if you know the final answer and the contestants don't, then ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and just to kind of tie this into our tiebreaker discussion, we'll go over more of that later in the no-notes section, but I have uh, decided to uh, adopt a buzzer system for our mm-hmm. tiebreakers. I feel like that's the most fair, and it will allow me to uh, take a cue from Jeopardy and let the first person that buzzes in, if they have a close answer or an approximate answer, I can say, can you be more specific with that answer? Which I think is really fair, because in the case of last week, when we had a person answering MGM, and, you know, them changing the name of the theme park, you know, about 10 or 15 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I think Lisa pointed out, your friend Lisa uh, mm-hmm. pointed out in the Discord, that it displays a knowledge of the answer. But to me, I would like a, a totally accurate answer if possible. So I think that that's a good middle ground is saying, can you please be more specific with your answer? Because then the person who probably knows the answer and buzzed in first will have a fair chance at getting the answer. And if they just totally botch it or, you know, don't know, the other person can still have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I digress. I digress. <laughs> Kenya, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the No No. Glad to hear that you have some questions ready uh, for our quiz. Um, real quick, though, you mentioned you play competitive trivia online. Have you uh, snagged any cool prizes or uh, kudos or anything? No. Mo- no. no. Uh, most of most to all of the trivia that I play online is really for bragging rights. And that's because whenever there's a prize component introduced or if it's, um, or if there's an entry fee or anything like that, that really drives the motivation for cheating. Um, mm. because then, you know, it's like you're online and it's, and it's on, online, it's a lot easier to get away with cheating and you're motivated too if there's some prize you care about but if you're just doing it for bragging rights just to you know say hey you know we knew this thing we we bested right. this other team then um then it's to me more rewarding because i'm not in it for like fabulous cash and prizes this isn't jeopardy you know what i mean yeah, so yeah so that's why um, when we were yeah. running our twitch trivia over the pandemic uh we had that leaderboard i felt like that's like you know you could get your name up on the leaderboard but the stakes are low we're not offering Offering yeah. some gift cards. Some uh, Twitch trivia channels, I think, had some success with that, offering like Amazon gift cards and stuff like that. But I think you're right. It does uh, lend, motivate cheaters uh, mm-hmm. to do their thing. Um, so before we get to our uh, questions for the day, though, why don't we see how our teams did at Trivia this week during our weekly wrap up? Mark, what if we did that? Okay. All right, on uh, Wednesday, quiz number 421, we were at Point Ebel Brewing Company. Shiba Inu Illuminati, or uh, as somebody suggested, they should be called the Shiba Illuminati, I think. They earned a uh, shutout victory in all three rounds, ending the quiz with 137 points, our second highest score ever at Pointy Bell. Congratulations to them. Daddy's favorite in second place with 118 points, and we're smarter than we look in third with 93 points. 
I want to point out Shiba Inu Illuminati, they had a maxed out team this week. Seven players. So I'm just saying, if you're looking for results, you might want to look at increasing the amount of players on your team. Um, sometimes it's a, we've discussed it before, a double-edged sword, because then you can have some uh, arguments over answers. You got two or three people believe in one thing and two or three people believe in another. Very hard to come to a consensus in that situation, but I think it paid off here. On Thursday, we were at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral, Florida for quiz number 422 with just the tips, securing the first round victory with a perfect round. Congratulations to them on that. While As You Wish set the highest score in round two and three, that was a combo team of Dallas and Matt Hoffman, a dangerous duo there getting the second and third round. Ultimately, it was just the tips who would secure the dub, ending the quiz with 123 points. You love to see a sequential score like that. As You Wish in second place, with 116 points and Corn in third place with 70 points. And Mark, how did your teams do at trivia on Wednesday at Nice Guys Pizza? They did well. Girls on top winning the first and second rounds with 13 and 15 points respectively. Um, but the last round going to rodents of unusual sizes with 51 points. And on Zoom, we had four teams. Uh, Whiskey Tango winning the whole night with 64 points. But we did have a new team, the Jersey Devils, playing um, uh, a listener for the podcast who decided to play with uh, some other people uh, along with uh, the Feeble Corn and, of course, Team Captain Max. A lot of fun. Building up a little bit of a Zoom group. Got a little online game going. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations to them. Uh, Did you play trivia this week, Kenya? Um, I did not. Um, I played, like, a friendly, um, one friendly game um, that was, like, sci-fi themed, and I pretty much proved that my nerd cred is going out the window. I, oh, okay. I, can't, <laughs> I can't keep up with uh with modern sci-fi. It's like there's so much. Well, you saw so Mark has a products. schedule. He's got it all scheduled out. You know, he's uh, all the the sci-fi TV shows and stuff, mm-hmm. taking in all that content. Mm. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of trivia I'm, to be mined. There's so much, and I just and I know so little, but that's okay. Uh, you know, um, that's kind of the cool thing about trivia. There's always so much to learn and glean. You know, you're never going to know everything. So yeah, absolutely. Indeed. If you want to join us for trivia this week, you have a few opportunities to do so. Wednesdays, we're live at Pointy Bell Brewing Company in Fort Myers, Florida, for no nonsense trivia challenge based on your category requests. Please join us for your opportunity to win free beer. Suggest categories for next week's quiz and enjoy tasty, tasty food by Yabo Mobile. I got that raspberry demi-glaze goat cheese pork chop this week. So good. That's at Pointy Bell on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Thursdays, we're in Cape Coral, Florida, also at 7.30 p.m. We hope you can join us then for opportunities to win Ollie's gift cards, which can be spent on records, beer, T-shirts, comic books, and more. Please join us Thursdays at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral. That's at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, every week in Cape Coral, you can play Mark's Trivia on Wednesdays at Nice Guys Pizza or on Zoom starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget... On Saturday, June 25th, it's the fourth anniversary of the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast, which we are celebrating with a live show, our first live show. You're going to want to be there. You're going to want to be in the crowd. So please join us at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral, Saturday, June 25th, for a live No Nonsense Trivia Podcast recording. 
And please don't forget to follow No Nonsense Trivia on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. And join us on our Discord server to stay updated on all of our podcasts, streams, and events. Join us, won't you? Yes, that's what I'm talking about right there, Kenya. Bringing that mm. sweetness to the recording to the won't you. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. <laughs> Just what we needed. Very good. All right. How about we take a little break and then we'll be right back with our first set of questions with Kenya. Sounds good. And we're back. Mark, Kenya, I have a weird state laws question. Kick off our first round. (laughs) I don't know why I answered for Kenya. (laughs) Mark, I said yes. He said Kenya. I said yes. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) Which state has their cheese regulated by state law to be, quote, fine, highly pleasing, and free from undesirable flavors and odors. There's one state that screams at me immediately, and that's Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, what I, I mean, was I can't, I, I can't think of capital. any other state that cares as much about its cheese than Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's a possibility it's Vermont. I feel Vermont is pretty cheese heavy, but not not. Yeah, like Wisconsin. And, and I mean, here, there is a possibility it's Vermont, right? But it's one of those things where if we guess Wisconsin and it's Vermont, I won't feel so bad. But if we guess Vermont and it's Wisconsin, I'll feel like a dumbass. So I wonder if anybody calls Wisconsin Swissconsin. Has that ever happened? Yeah. That's got to happen at some point. I know that Swiss cheese is not Wisconsin centric, but I mean, it just lends itself. Eh. Um. Yeah, I mean, unless it's some kind of uppity state like California, maybe. But I think Wisconsin's got to be it. I think so, too. I'd go for that. We're going to say Wisconsin. That's correct. It is the state that is the home of the great cheese festival every June, Wisconsin. This question seemed to be a little bit trickier for my players than I had imagined. I thought that this was a softball, just like you guys reasoned out. It's probably going to be Wisconsin, but we did have uh, some guesses for Vermont, as well as some guesses for Idaho, which is uh, Mm, one of the top cheese producing states in the country. I didn't Uh, know that. That is, uh, they produce 8% of the the commercially sold cheese, as opposed to uh, California with 23% and Wisconsin at 26%. So you were right in the ballpark for most of those. I didn't know that California produced so much cheese. I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised because given the, the sheer size of the state, they can still be competitively listed as, com- as producers of quite a lot of things mm-hmm. and, um, and still beat out maybe other states that are better known. Now, Mark, I know you're not a fan of cheese. I want to yeah. know what you think about this law. The law mm-hmm. says it should be fine, highly pleasing, and free from undesirable flavors and odors. I guess that no one's making cheese because most cheese is absolutely <laughs> disgusting. I mean, there are cheeses that that I don't like, but I can understand people liking. 
um, you know, the Swisses, the Jacks and Cheddar Jacks, Hmm. the Cheddars, etc. But then there are some cheese like ricotta and Limburger and blue cheese that I think should probably just be outlawed just across the board. Uh, the thing about cheese, though, is it's just like alcohol in that sense. You know, there's such a wide variety, a broad spectrum of flavors and and um, and different, you know, things that appeal to you. And so there are going to be some that are pleasing to you and some that are outright disgusting. But, you know, that's why there's a wide variety and you have your choice, you know, of, of picking whatever it is you like. Unfortunately, cheese does not make me a better dancer like alcohol does. So Mm. I'll stick with alcohol because it helps me cut a rug. All right. You guys ready for this? We're ready. In 2012, SpaceX sent the first commercial spacecraft named after what mythical animal to rendezvous and dock with the International Space Station? In 2012, SpaceX sent the first commercial spacecraft named after what mythical animal to rendezvous and dock with the International Space Station? It's probably the mighty basilisk. No, I'm just <laughs> this is one of those where, from a knowledge base, I have no idea at all. But the first thing that popped into my head was Pegasus. Um, mm. You know, mythical flying creature. I feel like I I remember this happening and Pegasus does not ring a bell. I was thinking it it might be dragon. Mm. I don't think it's Griffin. Wait, when you said, when you said dragon, something went off in my head. Yeah. I think it might be dragon. Like it was called like dragon X or something. Yeah. I actually, no, I think you're right on that. As soon as you said that, I'm like, Oh wait, I remember something like this. So, no, I think you're right. I think it's Dragon. Let's go with it. Dragon. Dragon is correct. Great job. All right. What a a good duo you guys were there. Okay, Kenya. Let's see if Mark and I can complete our first uh, question uh, trio here. All right. So, um, my first question for you is, having an average weekend by the Canadian band Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet is the theme song for what ensemble comedic television series whose first season debuted in 1988 and whose sixth season debuted in 2022? Mm. Well, I I know this because I actually like to play this song at some of my trivia events sometimes, especially at Ollie's because it's a record shop, and I just feel like a lot of people that play trivia there will get the reference. If I start playing the song and Mark, uh, I know you are a huge fan of the show. Do, 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 Yes. That would be kids in the hall. The kids in the hall is correct. Yes. I'm waiting for my friend Mike to come down to watch the new season (laughs) and to watch the Amazon special about uh, based on Kids in the Hall. I am very, very excited. Having an average weekend. I love that song title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's the name of the group again? It's called they're called Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. Great name. Great band (laughs) name. Great song. Great friggin group. Uh, It just wins through and through. 
It's fantastic. Yeah, that was fun. I, I watched the pilot of the new season. And I, I enjoyed that. I, I, I definitely need to follow up with the rest of the episodes. How about you guys? Um, oh, yeah. We, you know, uh, uh, so for the new season, I think we're about six episodes in. Something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're, you're yeah, a good no, way through that. We like it a lot. Yeah. Nice. We like it a lot. Nice. All right. My uh, second question of the round, you do. Well, prize for uh, subscribing to Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think they're going to name their next uh, space shuttle after that, like uh, the Bruce or the Kevin, you know, after the kids in the holdicks. (laughs) (laughs) I know they're getting into space flight over there at Amazon and they love kids (laughs) in the hall. So it's a natural pairing. There you go. Mm -hmm. I have a cars question for you. Cars, my next category. Known the band or the the vehicle, the vehicle type, the vehicle type known okay. as the Inspire in Japan. What midsize car model debuted in the U.S. market in 1976, and whose name is synonymous with Harmony? Known as the Inspire in Japan, what midsize car model debuted in the U.S. market in 1976? And whose name is synonymous with harmony? Hmm. Car model? Yes, mid-sized car model. Synonymous with harmony. See, I wonder how far down the line he's going with this. Because is it synonymous with harmony in, like, another language? I don't think so. I think he's saying that, well, maybe, but I think he's just saying it's a word. It's a, it's a U.S. So it's probably, it was called inspire or, you know, the, that word in whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever other language there, but here it's called an American word that is synonymous with harmony. I think. Okay. I mean, cause if I think about like cars that have debuted, and I'm sorry, Lee, I want to make sure I'm parsing this correctly. Can you reread the question? Absolutely. Known as the Inspire in Japan, what midsize car model debuted in the U.S. market in 1976 and whose name is synonymous with Harmony? Okay, so he did say debuted in the U.S. market in 1976. Okay. Um, so it could be something that existed for quite a bit prior to that. Uh, and if you... Th- Think about cars that came here in like the 70s and 80s. Then you've got your uh, Toyotas, your Saturns, your Kias, Hyundais. Well, Kia is Korean, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start thinking about Toyota. Camry, I don't think, is that a word that is? Uh, he did say I don't know model, what Camry though. means. He did say model. I'm sorry. Yeah. Make model. Duh. Model. Okay. Uh, So. (laughs) (laughs) So we're thinking like Toyota Camry, Toyota. I I mean, do you know what the word Camry means? No. (laughs) I wonder if Camry means that. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be interesting, but I think it's very wrong. Uh, okay now that uh, yeah i think elantra it no it's not that something that means harmony accord 
Accord. Honda Accord. Accord is harmony. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. We're going to say Accord. The Camry comes from the Japanese word for crown. Kanmurari. Oh. The Elantra comes from the word elation. And yes, Accord is synonymous mm. with harmony. Uh, That's correct. Yay. Good going, well Kenya. Great sus. Saving our asses. <laughs> I think I think we would have gotten there eventually, mm-hmm. but but you got there you got there way the hell before I did. <laughs> I was gonna say we would have gotten there, but we did get there. All <laughs> you right. did. You dang did it. Here is your second question for me in the first round. The Horn of Africa. The fourth largest peninsula in the world is comprised of four countries. Give me three of them. Can you repeat? The Horn of Africa, the fourth largest peninsula in the world, is comprised of four countries. Name three of them. Hmm. Right now, I'm kind of mad at myself because I'm trying to think which part is the peninsula. Well, if it's the horn, I'm wondering if it's the bell, like at the top, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you imagine, like, Africa rotated 90 degrees, the horn would be the broader part. And so maybe it's, uh, it's like the, what I'm trying to say is the, the northwest part that kind of juts out. Northwest or northeast? I was thinking northwest, right? Because you have like kind of Egypt Mm -hmm. over in the east. And then you've got like the western part, which kind of Africa has kind of got like an inverted L or seven shape, right? So like the top of the L seven. The top of the the seven, you know, the kind of that's what I imagine would be like the horn. And then the like South Africa, that would be like the mouthpiece because it's like a little bit more narrow. Okay. So that's how I think about it. So if that is the correct area, I can start throwing out the names of countries that are over there. Um, Because the funny thing is I have a really good sense of general African geography in terms of where the countries are. But for some reason, my brain is never censored in on what the horn is. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. I wonder if we can guys, combine your geography knowledge with my art knowledge. Guys, my design now, skills. I, I like both of you very much. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you this clue. The horn of Africa is the easternmost point of Africa. It is oh. the little piece that juts out all the way to the, to the if you're looking at the map, the right hand side, oh. the peninsula that, that juts out over there. So that is the horn of Africa. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Then I would say Forget Ethiopia. Forget my design skills then. I would say Ethiopia, Eritrea, and um, Djibouti would be three of them. So you're, you're asking for three of them, Mark? That's what you said? Three of the four? Yes. I'm okay with going right with that. Because right there on the edge, you've got like, so Ethiopia used to be like Abyssinia, and then there was a split um, which created Eritrea, and Ethiopia lost all of its coastline to, to the new entity of Eritrea. So those two are in the same area. And then right kind of on the edge there is Djibouti. Um and so the fourth one is probably something like Somalia, but I would be comfortable going with Ethiopia. Hmm. Um, some, I'm sorry, e- Ethiopia. 
No, that's that's the capital of Somalia. Of Somalia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so that's I, the only thing I know about <laughs> Somalia. Um, oh yeah oh yeah no (laughs) so i'd be comfortable going ethiopia eritrea and djibouti let's do it that's correct (laughs) kenya wow the other country is somalia wow (laughs) well done i mean and how crazy is it that you you knew all of that, but you didn't know where the Horn of Africa was. <laughs> I and know that, that's that was what's driving me nuts. I'm like, how oh. do I know this and not know what part is the Horn? That is the little puzzle piece that fits in your mind palace now. That's called yes. the Horn. Yeah, there you, you had the knowledge. Yeah, no, thank you for perfect. the assist, Mark, on, on identifying what the Horn is. Yeah, it was another one of those things where it's like, well, the the fact that it is the Horn of Africa should be kind of the built-in hint. I know it's a tough one, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, this is a perfect example of like how that kind of information can uh, make or can break lead it. you down the right path. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Kenya. So um, I do have. Uh, I realize I had category names here as well. So. Uh, uh, for this next question, the category name was Love is Blind. Your question oh. is, in the LGBTQ plus community, what sexual identity is represented by a magenta, yellow, and cyan flag? Hmm. Magenta, oh. yellow, and cyan flag. Mm-hmm. It's not trans. That's blue, pink, and white. It's not the standard pride flag, which is a mm-hmm. rainbow with a... Uh, you know, triangle of various shades. And I had to contribute this question because, of course, this is Pride Month in mm-hmm. celebration of, of all of our wonderful friends, family, and community. So, so we have uh, Pan, Ace, Asexual, Polly. I don't Does Polly well, have a I flag? Guess let's, let's start here. Yeah. The rainbow flag, let's, I mean, we can go through the letters individually, and I don't know if, I'm, I'm guessing this flag may be for one of the specific things, one of the specific names in LGBTQIA+, etc. Can, can um, I get the colors one more time? Sure. They are magenta, yellow, and cyan, in that order, oh, horizontally. Oh. It's for color printers. <laughs> I mean, that is literally three of the four colors for, for printers. That's true. That is true. Barring, barring the K for black. Xerox. <laughs> um, yeah, LGBTQIX Xerox, of course. I, w- I, wonder, I wonder if, uh, you know, the colors are a representative of you know, what the identity is. I mean, that's just magenta and cyan are, are, you know, pink and bluish colors. Mm -hmm. Yellow is not a mix of either of those. Mm -mm. It's almost like, no, you know, or like warning, not, not like red, you know, but like, it's like a a, a pause. Yeah. That's why I was thinking maybe ACE. Because yellow is is typically like a uh, take caution color. Yeah, um, sure, we can go with it. Did you? I mean, do you have any other ideas? Well, I mean, you, you what t- are the other? So, lesbian, mm-hmm. bisexual, gay, 
trans. Trans. It's now is the rainbow flag for both lesbian and gay? Is it just? I think it's a queer just- flag. Yeah, it's the entire community. I think is the well. I, I, if it's just a classic rainbow, I think that might be gays, lesbians, maybe bi as well. Well, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, like I don't know if there's a bisexual flag in particular. Yeah, um, yeah, that's so. There, there definitely is. There definitely is a bisexual flag. Okay. This might be that. That's what I'm saying. Um, so then we have Q, which is queer. I, which is intersex. I think so. Yeah. A, which is asexual. I think so. LGBTQIA plus. Well, I mean, unless it's like one of the pluses, um, I think that asexual and bisexual are our two, maybe intersex. That's another one that is in that's in that name that mm-hmm. isn't maybe highlighted as much. This would be an interesting thing to know about the I in the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm-hmm. Can we hear the question one more time? Of course. Thank you. In the LGBTQ plus community, what oh. sexual identity is represented by a magenta? Yellow and cyan flag. LGBTQ member of the community. Plus. Okay. Hmm. So I just kind of threw in the IA QIA. Sometimes you see that in the acronym. Yeah. Sometimes it's included is- in the in the plus. Mm-hmm. Um. God, those people that just get put in the plus category and not named in the uh, acronym probably get annoyed. Well, I think they're free to include it however no shade. they want. No shade, no shade yeah. to you. There is there is nothing <laughs> ill meant by that. Sounded but. a little shady. <laughs> um, God damn it, Kenya! I don't know. Yeah, this is tough. I don't. I don't know which direction we should go. Part of me wants to go with with buy, like you know, like the yellow indicates that you know it doesn't matter. But the other half of me wants to go. You know, I, I'm of two minds on this subject. mm Hmm. Yeah. Um, the other says ace. Like, it's like, a, you know, like, notice this, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, you. it seems like your gut has gone with asexual, so maybe we should go with that. All right. Fine. We'll go with it. Asexual. Well, hold on. Oh. <laughs> hold, hold on. Okay. There's also a darkness to the colors, though. You know? What? Like, like it's cyan, like magenta is like. Well, I don't know. All right, we'll go it's, with this. No, I, I think if you're looking at the flag colors, they're kind of pastel-y. They're so, the cyan. Okay. They're yeah. Hey, that's that's my soprano's name, Mark Pastelli. Mark Pastelli. Hey, hey. Uh, we'll hey go, what the we'll, fuck? Give me some gabagool. We'll go with uh, the yellow meaning. Don't fuck on me. Asexual. I'm sorry. That is enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that I oh, believe no. this is the first miss of the game. So it is. Yeah, sorry Apologies about Apologies to our LGBTQ plus friends. Before you tell us the answer, did we say the answer? You did say the answer. So, 
there was actually a hint that I gave you in the category name, which is Love is Blind. And that's because this refers to people who uh, are blind to gender, uh, sex, or sexual identity in their attraction to partners. Sapio? This, uh, no. Oh, uh, we didn't mention that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, sapial sexual doesn't really fall under the LGBTQ plus banner because it simply means attraction to smart people. Yeah. I mean, so. if you take it far enough, though, <laughs> if you're like really attracted to smart people, like you're watching Jeopardy, not just for the questions, but for the answers. You know, uh-huh. anyways, <laughs> sorry, but, Good, but no, uh, this uh, this is uh, the pansexual flag. Mm. Oh, okay. we didn't say pansexual. I don't I think, think I mentioned did. it. You, we, it was mentioned oh, at you? the very uh, beginning. Pan was mentioned, and then you guys never mm-hmm. revisited it. Um, and I'm looking at the Wikipedia article now, uh, and so it says some sources state that the because you were asking about the colors. Some sources state that cyan represents attraction to men or people attracted to men. Magenta represents attraction to women, and yellow represents attraction to non-binary people. Other sources state that the colors cyan, magenta, and yellow stand for those who identify as men, women, and non-binary people, respectively. So, a little bit of dispute as to what color represents what exactly, but that's the general idea, is that pansexual people are just attracted to people, and it does not really matter to them what gender you are, what sex you are, how you present. You're a person, and you're cute. Huh. Fantastic. And with Mm -hmm. uh, magenta, yellow, cyan, and black in a printer... You can, you know, get every color, basically, so you can print whatever you want. So it works that way, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. And do you it remember CM- works that way. CMYK, what K stands for? Black. But do you, no, it actually stands for a word. Oh, you're right. I asked the person I believe on the podcast. <laughs> no. Contrast the- smelled like Mortal Kombat <laughs> with a K. Key. Yeah. Key, the key is color. correct. Okay. Key black, yes. Well, all right. Almost a perfect round. Almost, if we, if we had our pride it. trivia unlock, we would have done it. But hey, <laughs> you either win or you learn. You can't lose. That's what we say. I, I'm sorry to the pansexual people. I apologize. I will know your I will know your uh your flag from here on out. We're gonna take a little break and then we'll be right back with some miscorrections, some no notes, and our second round of trivia. We're back, and it's time for some missed corrections. Missed corrections. First up, we have a uh, missed correction from A.A. Ron, who uh, was writing in about episode 203. Mm. He writes, I have to say, I'm from the Iron Mountain State, quote-unquote, and I didn't get that one right. Those aren't common nicknames by any means. Mark, this is in reference to your question about Idaho's nicknames. From 203. Mm-hmm. I thought I had them. Excuse me. thought I had them up here. 
Your own private Idaho. Where is it? I had a uh, a question about that. I didn't I didn't know that the uh, movie was named after the song. My own private Idaho, the movie, the Gus Van Zandt movie, was named after uh-huh. the B fifty two song. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. It sent me on a uh, bonus round tirade this week where we did which came first, the movie or the song. And I had a list of 10 movies and a list of 10 oh, songs that's and just had to circle which one uh, came out first. Well, I don't have the other nicknames here. Do you happen to remember the other nicknames of Idaho? No, it's not Idaho. I'm wrong. It was Missouri. Missouri was the Iron Mountain State. Well, I've asked a couple different ones. Missouri was the Iron Mountain State, the Cave oh, State, and the Pennsylvania of the West. Pennsylvania yes. of the West. Yes. Okay, so A.A. A. Ron Missouri. is from uh, Missouri, not Idaho. Uh, so I, that was from two episodes and I forgot that <laughs> I have to submit that one further <laughs> in my mind. Uh, so apologies to the people Perfect. of Missouri, as well as the people of Idaho, as well as AA Ron, uh, from episode 204, Ed Sicals writes quest loves doc is called summer of soul, not summer of love. Yes. Just a tiny no note. Also the alligator nuts drop is probably my favorite drop of the pod. Thank you for notes on that. Ed Sicals, and uh, I said that Miss Universe was a uh, bodybuilding contest, um, not a beauty contest. There is a beauty contest called Miss Universe, actually. Uh, The Miss Universe Mm -hmm. bodybuilding contest is a segment of the Mr. Universe bodybuilding uh, competition. Um, So just a little clarification on there. There is a beauty contest as well as a bodybuilding contest called Miss Universe. We got some feedback on how tiebreakers are handled at other quizzes that our players attend and host. Uh, We heard from Noble John who wrote regarding your tiebreaker question. Having people shout out the answer sounds like a disaster waiting to happen to me. I would never do a tiebreaker this way myself, but it sounds like it's worked for you pretty well. The tiebreaker I like to ask is a question with a numerical answer that nobody really knows, and whomever gets the closest wins the tie. Lisa from Whiskey Tango added, I like nearest number tiebreakers, time in minutes of flight, straight distance between places, etc. Let's each team get an answer in. And I agree. I think there is uh, some benefit to uh, having that type of question. I don't think uh, we're going to adopt that at our trivia. Like I mentioned, we got the buzzer system. Uh, so we're going to try that out mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah, um, I can definitely add in that the, uh, that the closest to the pin, as it's called in a lot of circles, is used quite a mm-hmm. bit. It's used in competitive trivia. It's used by Geeks Who Drink, uh, by their trivia. Um, and I've used it myself in various trivia settings, just when you need to just have something that is not going to drag on forever and ever, and you just need like a clear uh, answer. And, and a good one to use is, what specific date did something happen? And then whoever gets closest to that date. Um, Mm -hmm. And that one works out pretty well as well. Okay. Yeah. That's something to keep in mind for sure. Uh, Fade to one responded. uh, There's been two that I've been a part of where that happened. One of the, which the closest to the pin type questions were how far away is the moon in miles? That's totally fair question. But this one, how many inches long was the Titanic? That would drive me nuts. Like, why are you making me do two steps here? You know, it's a tiebreaker. Give me a break. How many inches? This has me in feet or, you know, in uh, meters or whatever the uh, imperial system would be or the metric system. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of which, Kenya, you you've hosted trivia. Did you want to give us some insight into your uh, particular format for your trivia nights? 
So my format was deliberately intended to be something that was pretty chill. I mean, it's it was prime time during the pandemic. Everyone was stressed out enough. And so um, mine was like, let's give people a little bit extra. So it was called Lanyap Trivia. And that's uh, a word that's used quite a bit at home. I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. And so Lanyap pretty much means like a little something extra, like or a little bonus gift. And so what we would do is we'd have regular rounds of trivia where each question was, there were just straight values, like one point per question. But at the end of each round, there was a Lanyap question, which was like a closest to the pin. And whichever team got closest to the pin would get an additional bonus point for that round. And so it was kind of a nice little treat to just throw in between the rounds, you know, and if the game was particularly tight, then those uh, closest to the pins got a little more competitive. Uh, but yeah, we just I did just, you know, like a straight five round trivia. The last round, the points were doubled, but the questions were harder. And um, and mine was like just a straightforward like a Zoom game. I had my own um Google sheet that everyone completed for points and it auto calculated for me. So, um, so, so I spent less time grading and more time actually focusing on the game and gameplay and engaging with, you know, with the players. And it was fun. It was like a nice social hour is, is the way that it felt. And so, um, and, and for that time period, especially it was, like I said, you know, pandemic was really, 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 really stressful. So for that uh, time period, Mm -hmm. it was, it was welcome, very welcome. Did you have a lot of did you have a lot of ties? I, I think that having straight just one point every question one point if people got five questions right, I can see there being a lot of ties. Were there a lot of ties there? No. No. And part of the reason was because um I often had a picture round. And I would have people who were very good at trivia and not so good at recognizing faces. Um, one time uh. I did like a music round and that really drove people nuts. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just by having a variety of things like, you know, you had your straightforward trivia, some more pop focused and some more academic focus um but then by integrating that with some other form of media like either you know uh music or like a visual round it created a little bit of separation because people typically were not good at everything across the board um and it was a pretty low stakes game anyway i think if the game itself were bigger with like i don't know like 20 teams or something like that then we do maybe some then there would have maybe been more of a variety in the point system, but it really wasn't needed because it was more of a smaller game. Gotcha. Yeah. That's interesting. Some other comments that we got on uh, discord about tiebreakers. Uh, Motor liquor said, I just do the classic, the classic fold your answer sheet into a paper airplane as a tiebreaker. <laughs> and then they wrote, I, I'd, I'd argue that having the mechanical and technical know-how to craft a decent paper airplane is trivia. Now, oh, I might concede to that concept that knowing how to fold, it, it, there's some trivia to it, but you're not going to ask the same tiebreaker question every time there's a tie. So why would you have the same challenge, you know, to break the tie? And furthermore, um, it's not trivia related. We had another uh, Noble John who wrote in earlier uh, uh, suggested a dance off. 
And I just think that when you're at trivia, the tiebreaker should be trivia related to be focused on trivia because you're not there to show your your paper airplane skill building or your dance abilities for that matter. I think keeping the, I, the tiebreaker yeah. focused on uh, on trivia is the way to go. I, I, agree I agree with that. There, there's like one um, bar game that streams that I like to watch. And they, for tiebreakers, they do rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and um, I I mean, I, I wouldn't do it that way. That particular bar seems to go nuts with it. They play the Mortal Kombat theme and then they start going crazy <laughs> with like rock, paper, scissors. They can't abandon it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like their thing yeah. now. So, okay, cool. But yeah, no, in general, I agree. A trivia game should for its uh, climax have, you know, a, a trivia component yeah. to, to see it through. Absolutely. Um, we did hear about another uh, format that I wanted to share with you guys on discord. Uh, this is from Steve. Steve's trivia is a, is an interesting format here. Steve writes, our local trivia has four rounds, four questions and then a double for each round. So the double is actually a fifth question here. So there's really five questions per round. Each final question in each round has this uh, crazy mechanic associated with it. The first three rounds on the last question of each round, you risk your entire round score. But if you get it right, you will double your game score overall. So you can risk it all on the last question of each of the first three rounds but potentially doubling your score by a crazy amount. The last question of the entire quiz is double or nothing your entire score. So whatever massive amount of points or little amount of points you get after the first three rounds, uh, and I guess your your fourth round questions as well, you can uh, double or nothing your entire score. And there's no penalty for a no guess in any round. So assuming you can leave these blank and not lose your score, nor will you gain anything from it. Um, I feel like this puts so much weight on the final question of each round. For me, that this would be like having mm-hmm. four final questions to design every quiz because they matter so much. You'd have to like make them either really difficult or you know just really worthy of like a final question. Very tricky. What do you guys think? This, yeah, uh, sounds, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it it sounds really stressful for a bar game really stressful you're going out there to drink and relax and play some trivia and it's like okay here's this really weighty decision Mm -hmm. and then a few minutes here's another really weighty decision and you're after a while you're like oh dear god i don't even care anymore (laughs) yeah i'd be curious to know also he didn't mention this and i think i know the answer to it but i wonder if you have to choose the double or nothing before knowing what the question is if you get a category. So at the end of my first round, I give a category with a wager of one to five. Um, so it's not as much that you're wagering, but you're ba- it's based off of a category. Sometimes the questions are easy. Sometimes the questions are difficult. Um, I just basically only go by what the next question in the second round, what it is and what I would consider that category. Question, the very last question is a 20 point wager possibility but with that one you know the question so i'd be kind of curious to know if it's if they tell you the question and you know you just have to go based off of how sure you think you are or if it goes by something where they like give you a category or something like that and then you wager yeah i Um, I think yeah that would make a huge difference mm -hmm. i would hope and i would think that it was the uh you have the answer before you can wager because i mean jeopardy does it the way that you describe mark 
where uh, they give you the category first for Final Jeopardy, and then you make your wager before you write the answer. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the technique that. that you've adopted. But I think it's more common uh, for these trivia wagers to, yeah. to actually know the answer before you make your wager. That would that would make it very mm-hmm. chaotic. Steve did uh, tell us uh, he continues here. Even with that massive value on doubling, we see very exciting scenarios. First, all but one team misses the double or nothing, lifting a lower team to first place and creating a ten way tiebreaker for second and third. So the last place team Jeez. went to first and then there was a 10 way tie for second and third place. Uh, next, all three teams go in tied. all miss it. And three new teams replace them. And also a situation where all three top teams refrain from guessing, uh, allowing the fourth team to double into first. And then they finish. Uh, Steve finishes. That's the key to me. Does the bet leave every team with a chance for an exciting outcome, assuming they earned it with some regular and round point scoring. So, uh, yeah, I think that that could be exciting. I mean, personally, I would love to host a quiz with this format. I don't think I would do it every week, but a little one-off specialty quiz where you have like kind of like a casino theme to it or something like that. Um, I think that could be fun as like a special event, but this sounds truly chaotic for a weekly quiz. It does. Yeah. And, yeah, and, I, and, the, yeah. And, the, and the thing about it is, like you said, like something themed, like a casino theme or something, it fits for that. But it, that betting system really changes so much of the dynamic of your standard pub quiz game that it's really its own entity into itself. And so then, you know, you've got people who enjoy trivia, but do not enjoy the high stakes wagering component of it. And if you did something like that every week, you would definitely lose that base. I think that's Um, an astute observation. Yeah. Yeah. And then be replaced with maybe, you know, people who are really into like all or nothing and gambling. And that's great. But maybe they're not so good at trivia. (laughs) like A a member of OAR uh, wrote this uh, trivia format. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Please never again. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, go check out Lyrics to Go, Mark's other podcast where they dissect bad lyrics such as a crazy game of poker by OAR. Uh, another cl- instant classic episode, Ugh. in my opinion. But yeah, I, uh, I maybe the first episode, Mark, where I resent that you asked me to listen to the song first. Yeah, because then it's I had to experience it terrible. again. And I would say you don't even need to listen to the song beforehand. You could just listen to the episode if you're not familiar with the song. Uh, but yeah, I truly will tell terrible you, lyrics. Go listen to it again, but watch the live version and and I don't know if I got a third the, run in me, man, of that song. <laughs> I'm twenty minutes it's in much more, two listens. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. God damn. And if you'd like to write us with a missed correction, a rate my question, or even just a little no note, you can write to us at no nonsense trivia gmail.com. Give us a call at one nine two nine three five six six nine six 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 nine or find us on social media. And if you've yet to do so, please take a moment to review our show on Apple, Podchaser, Spotify, Good Pods, wherever else you might find the show available for rating. Feels kind of weird to say Podchaser in front of Spotify, but I did it. You should check out Podchaser. They are it. worthy of your attention, as are Good mm-hmm. Pods. Kenya, Lee, enough playing grab ass here. Let's get back to some old-fashioned trivia. What poisonous chemical element 
has the atomic number 33. What poisonous chemical element has the atomic number 33? So I'm going to answer your question with a story. I went to a conference last year, and uh, they did a games giveaway. And one of the games we wound up with is up there, and it's called Periodic, a Game of the Elements. And I said, great, I'm going to play this game, and I'm going to get so good at the periodic table and learn, you know, once and for all, what number is which element and whatnot. And how many times have I played that game? Zero. And I am regretting it Mm. so much right now. Sounds like someone's eating some regretty spaghetti. Uh Uh-huh. I do like spaghetti. Mm. Do you like regretti? (laughs) There's some spaghetti with it. uh, (laughs) Take an exception. Palatable. So and 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 there's not even really a built-in hint in this in this question. So it's lowercase B. The littlest I'm like, okay, it's the periodic table. Yeah. Do you know how many elements on there are toxic? Uranium? <laughs> Could be. That's one of the Any more of the gases, yeah. except for oxygen and helium and hydrogen. Mark, can you please repeat the question? I can. What poisonous chemical element has the atomic number 33? Poisonous chemical element. That's all we've got and a number. Um, all right. Now, could there be something notable about this? Maybe it's like something that we didn't know was toxic and later became toxic, like lead. Maybe that's why there's a seemingly lack of a hint. Maybe it's just kind of like an implied hint. I hate to say that, but Uh, I mean, anything's possible. We have to just narrow it down somehow. I'm just (laughs) trying I, I have no I, no idea how to like I you know obviously like if you think about things that we know are obviously toxic uranium mm-hmm. already given um, radium an, another one um, you know if you think of like the radium girls who you know did the watches and then mm-hmm. died of cancer um, what does the number symbolize again it's uh, the number of atoms in the in the nucleus is that right it's like the it's it's something like that. It's like the atomic weight, but science is unfortunately my worst category. And so I'm not going to be able to give you a coherent answer to that other than, yeah, it has Maybe. to do with its atomic weight. So is the atomic weight and the number, you said it was number 33 in, on the periodic table, Mark? The atomic number is also known as the nuclear charge number. It is okay. the charge number of an atomic nucleus. Okay. Okay. So maybe something more complex like that would make sense, like radium. If that's if if thirty three, well, I don't know. I'm out of my element here, so to speak. Given that it's yeah, (laughs) well, well done, well done. Um, Given that it's a lower number, it's probably something we're very familiar with. It's not going to be one of the crazy named elements that you know you never hear about. It's going to be something we've heard of. The element um, that's named after the guy that uh, Mendelezium or whatever. What's the guy's name that Mendelevium? Mendelevium. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a later comer. Do you guys want me to give you a clue? I don't yes. know how much. Yes. 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 All right. 
This element and its compounds, especially the trioxide, are used in the production of pesticides, treated wood products, herbicides, and insecticides. Okay. Pesticides, herbicides. It's probably not uranium. No. (laughs) (laughs) Is DEET on the the periodic table elements? Not so much. (laughs) It's probably Uh, in DEET. So then if we go to the nobles, um, so you've got like your ons, your xenon, xenon. radon, um, maybe radon. Boron. Boron. Boron sounds like a nice Ron. Yeah. It, it, wasn't there like some household product in like the 50s or 60s called like Bortex or something or b- something that had boron in it? Borax. Borax. You don't see it anymore. <laughs> my Not that I saw it back then, but I feel like I saw a box when I was a kid. And I was uh, like, my wife. Uh, my name is Borax. Yeah. Borax. <laughs> uh, I think I think boron is a perfectly cromulent answer, and I I think we we can agonize over this yeah. and won't necessarily get any yep. closer. We'll go with the cromulent choice. Boron. I'm sorry, boron is incorrect. Oh, subcromulent. The answer I was looking for was arsenic. Oh, arsenic. sitting right there. Chemical element 33. I do really like the sus, though, um, uh, with the knowing that, you know, uh, uranium and things like that have a larger atomic number. Those are much denser. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Kenya, you did a very good job of knowing that you needed to scoot away from those, you know, uraniums and, and such. So, good job there. Yeah. Thanks. And now for something hey. completely different. Composers. Famous composers. My category. Oh, no. okay. Which Grammy Award winning singer songwriter known for his 1996 debut hit song, Barely Breathing. Won two Tony Awards for the Broadway musical Spring Awakening. This was the uh, final category requested by our uh, trivia teams at Ollie's. Our biggest learners requested Spring Awakening, the Broadway musical, as the subject for the final category. I had never heard of it. I was doubtful. And then I looked at its Wikipedia page and said, oh, this is a uh, award-winning Broadway musical with some famous names attached to it, including this surprising name, the singer-songwriter who won a Grammy for his 1996 debut hit song, Barely Breathing. God damn it. What is this guy's name? You know the song, Mark? I am barely breathing. Do, 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 do. That's the one. So is this more like pop, R&B, rock feel? like like pop. Okay. Adult contemporary pop. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. I wish I knew the song. All I keep thinking is fucking Delamitri. Delamitri? It's not Delamitri, though. That's rolled to me. Yeah, that's a different 90s uh, one-hit wonder. Don't know who I'm kidding. 
But I'm thinking it. Oh, oh, oh! Holy shit! I don't know. I that that suppose made his name fucking pop into my mind for some reason. Look at that. Duncan Sheik is the guy's name. <laughs> this weirdest fucking name of all time. But I'm like 99% sure it's Duncan Sheik. Since I have no idea who that is, I will go with you. <laughs> is it Duncan Sheik? Yes, it is. Oh! That's correct. Duncan Sheik over anyway. I, I would categorize him as a one-hit wonder. Already a, a clutch subject in 90s music trivia because he's in that kind of tip of the brain area, Mark, like you just displayed. Oh. Where it's like, there's that one song. But now, having a uh, later career revival on Broadway with this uh, show Spring Awakening. Which I think has uh, come back at least once or twice on Broadway at this point. So soon to be a movie, I'm sure. I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure about that, but you know, it'll happen. They, all, they all get turned into movies. Good job, Duncan. I'll definitely have to look that guy up because I've never heard of him. I've never heard of this song. I've never heard of Spring Awakening. So it's a catchy song. I don't know yeah. anything about Spring Awakening, but it's a catchy you song. Should- <laughs> I was gonna say you should record your reaction listening to that song because that that's like a, a trope on YouTube. You know, people hearing songs for the first time. Oh yeah, and uh, that one is I I can't imagine what it would be like to hear that song for the first time again. I've heard it. Oh, I mean, I- maybe it's maybe it's like a uh, yeah, a market thing, but like when I was a kid on the radio down here, that song was playing constantly. I feel I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking. You were in New Orleans in in your in your youth, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What what pop stations? Did you listen to any of the pop stations that they had in the radio days before Pandora yeah. and Napster? Yeah. Um, and I'm really going to be like dating myself now if I start saying it was like on the air when I was like a teenager and whatnot. Um, but I listened to a lot of R&B at the time. I listened to some pop and then also a lot of R&B. I didn't even get into anything broader than that until I was an adult and it moved away. And that name just never came up. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I wouldn't blame you for missing it because like I said, he was kind of a one hit wonder, um, you know, but somebody, I guess wrote this musical and thought we need to get some Duncan cheek on this. Cause that song barely breathing just so represents like the angst of like being close to somebody that like you're crushing on really hard. And like, you can't, you, you can't believe that you're like interacting with them, like in such like a, almost intimate way and you oh i'm barely breathing i feel like that's probably what drew they were like that song is like this musical you know we need that energy so yeah the chorus is such filler i don't suppose it's worth the price and worth the price the price that i would pay (laughs) give me a break (laughs) i know this is the lyrics to go but holy shit can you just say you've definitely talked about price over and over again the filler words and uh definitely like okay there's an extra measure here just need to fill it in by repeating the same thing over and over again there's a song that just that you just went over that did that yeah, they all do. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, just like here. Let me just take three lines to say one thing. It's like, can you? How about mm-hmm. if you just don't do that? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Well, um, you know, it's it's an early hit. Maybe hopefully he's grown as a songwriter. Yeah, anyway. especially if he's winning Tonys. All right, um, Kenya. Your next question for us. Okay. 
So the name of this question is, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. Mm. What is the mononym of the original singer-songwriter of Brand New Key? She shares it with the first names of Scarlett O'Hara's sister-in-law slash best friend in Gone with the Wind, the late female lead singer of Eurodance duo La Bouche, and the actress who was nominated for an Academy Award for 1988's Working Girl. I got a brand new pair of roller skates, you got a brand new key. I got a brand new pair with all this guys. You got a brand new key. We're hitting all the eras of uh, music here in this round. Absolutely. <laughs> Stretch it out. That's the song. Oh, I, I used to play that at trivia, and I actually got complaints one night. <laughs> I don't think I've played it since, but somebody was like, please, another song. Like, this is driving me nuts. Come up and put both of their hands on your table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lee, it was you, Mark. It was you who said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of that song, but I don't hate it like that. Do you know who did it? Uh, do you? Yes, I don't. I do. And I think it's been confirmed by the uh, qualifiers that Kenya gave us. At least the last one, I think, might be Melanie Griffith. Melanie is the mononym of the singer, if I remember correctly. Uh, we're gonna say Melanie. That is correct. Yes. Lee, thank you. Big save. I was trying to remember who was in Working Girl. (laughs) It was Sigourney Weaver and Melanie Griffith. Okay, that sounds right. Is that right? I don't remember. (laughs) You wrote the question. (laughs) I know. The question wasn't about Working Girl. It really wasn't. But uh, (laughs) but, Uh, Yes, um, it was Melanie Griffith. Sigourney Weaver and Harrison Ford. If you had not asked that question, I would have said that Meg Ryan was the lead in Working Girl, uh, but it's not. It's Melanie Griffith. So uh, mm. I'm glad that there was so much information in that question. <laughs> kind of put me on the right path. Yeah, this one, because um, I wanted to try to make it a little bit easier than just, you know, who sung the song, because no one, you know, Melanie, that was like her biggest hit. Yeah. Um, the the best friend, sister-in-law of Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind was uh, Melanie Hamilton. Mm. Uh, the late female lead singer of La Bouche is Mel- Melanie Thornton. And um, and then, of course, you've got Melanie Griffith for the last one for Working Girl. Is La Bouche uh, Be My Lover? Yes. <laughs> what a Be My they did, Lover! Like, yeah. Did you um, they did like Be My Lover, Sweet mm-hmm. Dreams of Rhythm and Dancing. Sweet uh, Dreams um, of Rhythm and Dancing. Yeah, if you look up Melanie Thornton, she was a powerhouse singer and just beautiful, beautiful woman. Uh, She performed a concert in uh, Zurich in 2001, um, got on a plane um, with like uh, 20-something other passengers plus crew, and that plane crashed into a mountain and killed um, most of the passengers and uh, the crew, including... um, including her wow so would it be in terrible why- taste to make a that was her biggest hit joke yes okay <laughs> yes <laughs> in terrible taste. fair enough yeah it actually uh took out two different bands uh like her she was on there and then there was a a, a euro group called passion fruit and two of their three lead singers were on that plane well all three of the lead singers were on Jesus the plane but two of Christ. but two of their lead singers died as well so yeah yeah. It's like a modern day the day the music died. Yeah. It it kind of is, yeah. Jesus. Um it's very weird. Her name is Melanie Thornton. 
If you're familiar with the uh, hit movie Back to School, uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character is Melon Thornton. Or uh, Thornton Melon? Melon? Thornton. I yeah, think Thornton I think it's Melon. Thornton Melon. So it's kind of. Thornton Melon. Yeah, Melody Thornton, name. But Thornton Melon. It's like backwards and chopped in half. <laughs> Something but, like that. Yeah. yeah there's somewhere around. Thornton there. Melon. Yes. Hmm. Wow. Melanie Thornton, Thornton Melon. What an interesting chain of trivia. There's something in there. <laughs> Indeed. And by the and by the way, really random factoid that I came across the other day: birth name of uh, Rodney Dangerfield, Jacob Rodney Cohen. Oh. <laughs> I gotta I gotta say, I have some beef time with some terminology that you just used, though. What? Factoid. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it's, it's not a factoid. It's a it's right. a fact. It's a fact. It's, it's, a, a, fact. it's a yes. Fact. Yeah. yeah. Jacob yes, Rodney yes. Cohen was his uh, birth name. Yeah. We we just we have to take a stand against the term factoid and yes. it's incorrect. Yes, use here I remember on this podcast. that that whole discussion. Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody online the other day use it, and I was like, "Ooh, I want to get involved, but <laughs> I, I don't want to be shaking. you know a pedant, Mister Pedantic, though. You know, and just like, excuse me, I see you've used the term factoid." <laughs> I take umbrage, good sir. <laughs> umbrage. All right, guys, here we go. You asked a car question earlier. Here is a question related to automobiles as well. In 1996, the year of our Lord, what became the first minivan to be named Motor Trend Magazine's Car of the Year? In 1996, what became the first minivan? To be named Motor Trend Magazine's Car of the Year. We have got some bad news for you. What's You're one hundred percent on your own with this. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know brand names of minivans at all. <laughs> like at all. Well, let's just close our eyes, put on <laughs> our CD single of the newly released song "Barely Breathing" by Duncan Cheek. It's nineteen ninety six. I'll sing it to you. <laughs> I am barely breathing. I can't find the way. I don't know what the hell is. Is a caravan a van or a minivan? Uh, Dodge Caravan, I think, is a. Uh, I think that's a minivan. Okay. There's the <laughs> Econo Line, which is a full size van. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's the Aerostar, Ford Aerostar. I think that's a full size van, isn't it? I, I'm that might not even be the name of a van. That might be another. They have a star van, but I don't know if it's Aerostar. Um, Dodge Caravan it certainly was a popular van. <laughs> Lincoln, did they have a van? I, I'm sorry, I wasn't a soccer mom in the 90s. Yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> we had soccer a. My parents bought a conversion van around this time period, which is like, you know, it's got four seats up front, a bed in the back, and uh, we were going to, you know, take it on family vacations and stuff. And we're at the lot and there's a, the salesman is like, oh yeah, there's a, there's a TV in the back too. And I say, does it have cable? <laughs> not thinking about how cable got its name of being a cable. <laughs> Are you going to get cable into a van? 
Nice. Can't say the darndest thing moment for myself there. Uh, we got a VCR though. It was good. That's how I first saw uh, Terminator Two and Clerks. So good times. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Parents had no idea what they were renting me. <laughs> Just watch this back there. All right. No, I, I've got you. I can do you one quick uh, better on that. When we were okay. kids, when we were kids, my mother used to take us to the dollar show, cheap way, you know, to get the kids out of the house and shut them up for a couple of hours. And the dollar show at the time did not offer a lot of choices. They played one movie and like whatever movie they were playing, you know, fine. So uh, my mom sees that Michael Douglas is in this movie. She knows the name Michael Douglas. She said, oh, okay, they might be bored, but it's fine. Okay, fine. The movie uh, was uh, Basic Instinct. Oh! <laughs> oh. Wow. How educational. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, yeah, you'll learn some stuff. I don't know if it's what you want to learn, but. Yeah. I'll never forget that. We weren't allowed to ask questions. Just no. Just no. Enjoy your movie. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to go with Dodge Caravan? Sure. I've got nothing. <laughs> Dodge Caravan. That's correct. Yeah! <laughs> wow. Yep. I've learned not only uh, how cable television works, but also how to trust your sussing partner. All right. It's literally the only. I wasn't She's even like, sure. I'm going to be no help. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. My next question for you is an astronomy question. Okay. Mm-hmm. What type of star is formed when the core of a massive supergiant collapses, resulting in a celestial object that has a mass greater than our sun and which inspired the name of a Nickelodeon cartoon character? What type of star is formed when the core of a massive supergiant collapses, resulting in a celestial object that has a mass greater than our sun and inspired the name of a Nickelodeon cartoon character. Mm. Looking for a type of Doug star. funny. <laughs> Doug funny is the answer. No, I'm sorry. It's the pork chop star. <laughs> nice. Um, hmm. hmm. An interesting question. You said a Nickelodeon cartoon character. Yes. Hmm. All I can think of is characters from Doug Patty Mayonnaise. I will say this is a title character, so you don't have to dig too deep. Okay. Um, I'm going to do this to you again, Lee. Can you read the question again? Absolutely. What type of star is formed when the core of a massive supergiant collapses resulting in a celestial object that has a mass greater than our sun in our solar system and inspired the name of a Nickelodeon cartoon character, a title Nickelodeon cartoon character. So I don't know my Nickelodeon cartoon characters and I don't know my stars. Uh, Mark, what are you Super, thinking? Supernova? Is that a thing? Supernova, bossa nova. <laughs> that um, sounds like it could be a cartoon. <laughs> um, trying to think of Nickelodeon characters. I don't know from whence this cartoon was around. I don't know if it's modern or if it's older. 
Nickelodeon cartoons. Um, I also sometimes get confused on if something is Nickelodeon for somewhere else. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think and of even more and modern. even the cartoons. I know I don't know if they're Nickelodeon or Disney or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of things that I know aren't. Uh, Aren't definitely Warner Brothers, you know, like Animaniacs mm-hmm. or something, or Disney, like Tailspin or something. Right. Jeez. Um, like, literally, I all mean, I can think of right now are things like Hey Arnold and Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> and none of this is helpful. Phineas Star? I, I don't think Phineas and Ferb is Nick. I think it's uh, Disney. How is it? Hmm. Um, Nickelodeon. There's Ren and Stimpy, right? That was yeah. That was Nickelodeon, but I don't think it's either of those. No. Uh, <sighs> Boy, this is hard. I know. I was gonna say. I felt like when I first heard the question, I was like, "Oh, this will be easy." This is the Quizmaster's dream. Is this a case where the qualifier has now added more options for you than just thinking about the question straight out? Well, I thought so, but I mean, I to be honest with you, I'm having trouble even thinking of specific Nick shows. That's what I'm saying. Like oh, it's just an astronomy yes, question. Adventures the the Adventures of Gumball, but it's not Gumball. Uh, and again, I don't know 100 percent if that's Nickelodeon or not. You said title, the name is a title character, so it's called... The show this. is their name, yeah. Or has their name in it prominently. Hmm. All right, so... My roommate's here and he has kids. I should yell out and ask him if he knows any Nickelodeon <laughs> cartoons. I'm sure he does. If only pub trivia worked that way, when you could mm. call a friend. I do need to phone a friend right now. Um, well, I mean, you know, we could drag this on for hours. Yeah. Um, I don't, so I just don't think it's in a there. kind of star. I mean, I'm trying to think of other types of star, like kinds of stars. A, I mean, I've always heard stars like, oh, it's a mid-sized star or whatever. Um, Polaris? denser than No, that's stars. the name of a star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I keep thinking of either when I go that route, I either think of names of stars or like sizes of stars. Yeah, um, it, a oh, dense, a dense star, a super dense I mean, star, a black hole. That's not a star. Well, that's that's what I was thinking. It's like a like a black hole kind of situation. Yeah, but um, I just it's, it's not my knowledge base. Like I said, science unfortunately is my weakest category, and and I would love to get stronger at it i just don't think i have either enough of this or enough knowledge of nickelodeon shows to to parse this yeah. uh what's no that's a unit of Let's, measurement i think we should go i think we should just i mean if we're gonna stop sussing because at some point we'll have to stop yeah phineas is the best guess of anything that we've heard i think i don't think phineas is nick phineas and ferb i think it's disney you uh, is it? 
I mean, you said supernova earlier. I'd be maybe more comfortable going with that. All right, fuck it. We're going to say supernova. No, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. The correct answer is a neutron star. Jimmy Neutron. Neutron. Yeah. It never came up. It never came up. Jimmy Neutron. (laughs) God damn it. It's kind of a, you know, like a later comer to the Nickelodeon lineup, not part of like the original series of Nicktoons necessarily. Yeah, we uh, both knew it though. As soon as he said Neutron, we both said New- Jimmy Neutron. We fucking I've heard of it. Yeah, there. it's not a show I've ever watched, but I've certainly heard of it. So, yeah. When I when I first asked that question live, I uh, I did not include the Nickelodeon hint, mm-hmm. and so I only had uh, I think one or two teams that got that right. A lot of teams wrote down White Dwarf as the answer. So I thought maybe adding the Nickelodeon qualifier might help guide players into the right answer. Uh, let us know, listeners. What do you think? Is that a, a worthy question, a worthy hint? Uh, feel free to write in. I think it is. And so, Kenya, too. your next question, please. All right. So the category name I had here was, oh, look, geography, your favorite category. Oh, great. <laughs> the highest mountain on the African continent is Mount Kilimanjaro with an elevation of 19,341 feet with an elevation Elevation of 17,057 feet. What is the second highest mountain in Africa? Behind Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. Mark, do you know the answer? No. No? I have an inkling in my mind that this mountain shares a name with the country that it's in. Okay. I think the answer might be Mount Kenya. And look, we're on with someone named Kenya. How perfect would that be? I could be off. I could, I could just be, you know, letting my mind take me down a path. Cause I don't know for sure. But my first mm-hmm. instinct is that the, the name shares its name with the country that it's in. And my second instinct is that it might be Kenya. I think we should just go for it. Let's not oversuss. Okay. You think that it's your gut feeling. We're going to say Mount Kenya. Giggity. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> wow. Woo. How perfect. I think I, I saw that once and I was like, oh, like Kenya, like our player from trivia sometimes. So I there don't know if go. that that must have played into it somehow. Holy but, shit. All right. That's a great question, especially from a quiz master named Kenya. There is no <laughs> way I would have gotten that. There's no way I would have gotten that. Oh, I'm sure from time to time you look up the uh, tallest mountains as, as all of us quiz masters do <laughs> occasionally from time Indeed. to time. As we are wont to do. All right. Let's uh, let's take another little break. We're going to come back. We've got to rate my question. And then we've got our final questions with Kenya. We're back, and it's time for a rate my question. Rate my question. And our rate my question comes in the form of a call from A.A. Ron. 
Hey there, Lee and Mark, and if you have a guest, hello to them too. Uh, this is A.A. Ron calling in with a Rate My Question. So here goes. Which Major League Baseball team was the last team to install lights in their ballpark? And I will send an email with the answer. Thank you very much. Huh. Which Major League Baseball team was the last team to install lights in their ballpark? So I've heard this question before. We got Um, lucky with this one then. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. (laughs) Oh no, this is like the periodic table game answer. (laughs) Her face is not saying y'all can be at ease. It's it's a major ballpark. And I want to say it's either Yankee Stadium, Fenway, or Wrigley Field. I feel like it is one of those three definitively. Um, And a part of my brain is saying it's Wrigley. But well, you got all those lights around. Maybe you don't need the uh, the park lights because there's all these illuminated buildings around. There's, you know, it's providing a lot of ambient artificial light. I, I did a of tour of Wrigley, theme. and I think I do remember them saying that. Yeah, oh. I, I lived in Chicago for 11 years, and um, and I remember hearing this, and that may have been a reason why I've heard it. I've been to Wrigley. I've... Uh, there's lots of building and stuff all around Wrigley. Yes. Um, and yeah, there's lots of noise, uh, not noise, uh, light pollution around. So it's not, you know, it may not have even been needed for the longest time. I feel like I'm leaning Wrigley on this. I think, I feel like they mentioned specifically that they had day games, like all the time until sometime late on when they finally, cause like you said, a lot of places, you know, they're football teams or whatever like they're like they won't have their stadiums in the actual city they'll have them somewhere outside of Mm -hmm. chicago this motherfucker is smack dab in the middle of like there's bars and restaurants like all around immediately right in chicago yeah i think wrigley is a great guest that area is great yeah, that area is called Wrigleyville, and it is just packed full of mm-hmm. just bars and just like it's always just hopping over there all the time. Uh, whether or not there's a ball game going on does not matter. It's just an extremely busy, densely packed area. Lots of other lights and, and whatnot. And um, but yeah, Chicago. Yeah, everything's like smack in the middle of everything. Um, yeah, I I feel I'm not I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm feeling really good about Wrigley. Yeah, I'm at like 89%. It's good enough for me. I have no idea. So I, I like the logic here. I like that you guys have some personal anecdotes about it. I think we should go with it. And you have to imagine that all other parks were built with lights. So it must have been one of those older ones mm-hmm. that, you know, just kind of kept pushing it off and added them when they felt like their arms were kind of tied. Their hands were kind of tied. Mm-hmm. So let's go with Wrigley. A.A. Ron sent us an email with the... Uh, Answer a link to the answer that was shortened. Thank you so much for that. And we are correct. Wrigley Field is the answer. Yes, very good. All right, well done. Good going, team. Now we have to rate this question. Mark, any thoughts? You want me to go first? Why not? Yeah. Um, I'll give this. Um, you know what? I'm going to give this an A plus. Uh, maybe it's just because we got Kenya here and I'm feeling good. I like having a nice guest on. I mean, I would say that it doesn't have a built-in hint, but I think that you can rationalize it. I think you can get there. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's a good question. It's definitely an interesting question. Um, I, I like it. I'm going to give it an A+. Okay. Now, yeah, you probably know my beef with this question right away because you already mentioned it. Mm-hmm. No built-in hint. There's, there's no built-in hint in this question. Do I like the question? I freaking love this question. You love it. Okay, I love this question. You love to see it. And I might even be able to overlook the fact that there's no built-in hint. But I can't. I can't. There, just a division. Give me a division at least. In yeah, MLB. I, like, what, I, what team I, you know did what? they play for? You're right. I will give yeah. it an A. Mm-hmm. If you said what, you know. Playing in the national division. Right. What national, national league team. What American league mm-hmm. team. Yeah. I'll give it an A. Yeah, I give this PIS, capital PIS. This is a great question, great piss question. Aaron, congratulations on getting that sweet, sweet piss. Yeah, uh, even a little lowercase b would would do me a little bit of a favor here. But yeah, I like the question quite a bit. This is a great subject matter, very interesting. Uh, Sports are very popular. I don't think I've ever asked this question. And I think the fact that we got there uh, with, you know, your guys' personal anecdotes and personal knowledge shows that, you know, it sounds difficult, but it might be a little easier. So I think it's perfectly middle of the road difficulty wise. Just a little hint as to like what the team is that maybe plays at the uh, stadium, I think would be helpful. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Kenya? Um, I think it's a pretty good question in terms of it's, a very nice thing to know. It's a very interesting thing to know in terms of, you know, it's the last stadium to, to add lights. Um, there's an inadvertent built in hint, I think in the fact that what Mark said earlier, uh, newer stadiums are going to be built with lights. So just that's, that's true. You know, so just mm-hmm. given the fact that it wasn't built with lights, it lends, you know, itself to, okay, this is an older team, an older stadium. Um, and since, you know, some of the older teams uh, stopped existing. Some of them moved to new cities, new stadiums. So it, it makes you think you're thinking about one of the older established ones, like, right, like your Yankees, like your Red right. Sox and things like that. So that in itself, I feel, is a built-in hint, um, whether it was intended or not. So now, Kenya, yeah. I want to know mm-hmm. before before you go any further, you must have a rating system that you brought with you. Mm-hmm. Now, what is your rating system here before you give us a full rating? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been trying to think of something pretty good, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I failed miserably. So, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a couple more moments because I'll just piggyback on what you said there. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's I feel like it's an implied hint is what you're talking about. Yes. I won't give, I won't give a B for that, but you're right. There is an implied hint there. And that it's is, a lowercase. Uh, that is a very crafty, um, of, of way to write the question. If it was even intentional, but certainly a clever way of getting to the answer. Little B. I don't, I don't think I can give it a little B. It's not written in an implied hint is, uh, you know, there's no, there's no language in the question. And I feel like that's what the B is based on is overt hints. I'm going to hear so a little B I, like whenever said, you say piss. I'm going to, I'm going to hearing a little <laughs> B in there where your lips almost touch. Oh, I have to give this piss. We already have an I for interesting. So we can't do that. Maybe we should combine. Uh, no, because then we can't have I and B at the same time. Right. I think it's a fine question. Um, you know, and it's not a big deal to not include a hint. 
but I think it would be with I, it would, without IBS. It would be it would help to cull the list down to a reasonable multiple choice if you give a division name at least. Yeah, of the team that plays in that. I think I have a way of reading this. So, uh, so I have to go the nerd route. Whereas, um, if forty-two is the answer to life, the universe, and everything, mm-hmm. and therefore perfection, I would give this question a forty. Okay. okay. So, using I the like Douglas that. Adams Hitchhiker's uh, uh, metrics here. Yes, I like the question right. a lot. It's not perfect, but it is very interesting. Certainly, a noteworthy trivia nugget, and um, has an inadvertent built-in hit. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I give it forty of forty-two. I'm into it. I think this is great scores all around: an A, a piss, and a forty out of forty-two. Good Light job, Aaron. <laughs> and if you have a, if you want to uh, write us with a rate my question, or rate us with a rate my question, or a missed correction, or even just a little no note, no nonsense trivia at gmail.com, the email address, our phone number, 1 929 356 6966. Kenya, it's your turn to go first here in our final round of today's episode. Okay. So my final question is called Curses Foiled Again. Eight U.S. presidents have died in office. Seven have been victim to the so-called 20-year curse, where every U.S. president elected in a year ending in zero between 1840 and 1960, or uh, seven of them total, have died in office. Who was the only U.S. president to have died in office who was not elected in a year ending in zero, serving only 16 months from 1849 to 1850? This former military leader was taken out by an intestinal ailment after consuming raw cherries and iced milk on the 4th of July. Did we have this question recently on the podcast? Um, not like this, I don't think. No. Are you sure? I Did I ask this? I don't think so. Well, let's just play it out anyway, because I'm not certain that I know the answer. But if we're right, I'll check. (laughs) If it's it's sus. Um, Well, I mean, it's got to be that one dude... This this guy, um, I think this was this explained. Guy. I think this was explained in the question, but he was at some kind of like Fourth of July celebration, and he just could not stop eating cherries. This guy was just going to town on cherries. I think the reports were like he ate like eight bowls or something, and then he went back. Uh, I think to the White House and drank like a bunch of cold milk immediately because he like was like, oh, my stomach hurts. I ate too many cherries. And so he ate a bunch of cold. He drank a bunch of cold milk and then he died shortly thereafter. I think it's William McKinley. Uh, no, 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 no. Assassinated McKinley. McKinley was assassinated. I'm pretty sure. Um, This is. um. It's it's the guy who was in. Oh, see, this is the problem here. 
Martin Van Buren. Can I hear the question one more time? I, I don't need to hear all the zero stuff. Yeah, you don't, you don't need the part about the curse again. Naming presidents. <laughs> Who was the only U.S. Oh, yeah, foiled again. <laughs> foiled by those cherries. Who was the only U.S. president to have died in office who was not elected in a year ending in zero, serving only 16 months from 1849 to 1850. This former military leader was taken out by an intestinal ailment after consuming raw cherries and iced milk on the 4th of July. So isn't this the president that spent the fewest days in office? No. I should no. mention that, that there no. is a hint available only if you want it. Um, the guy who spent the fewest days in office got pneumonia from giving his uh, inauguration speech in the rain. And that was um, William Henry Harrison. Okay, that's who I was thinking. Um, well, and you said it's not McKinley. He was assassinated. I think the four presidents that have been assassinated, if I remember correctly, are Garfield, McKinley, Lincoln, and JFK. God, I hope that's right. Former military leader. I mean, a lot of those guys were involved in the military back then. Um, Ulysses S. Grant? Did he die in office? Of cherries? I don't think that was him. <laughs> of cherries? Franklin Pierce. Okay. Pierce the Veil. Do you want to hear this hint that Kenya has, or should we just go with it? Let's just go Let, with it. Let's go with it, and then if we get it wrong, maybe we'll take the hint and have a yeah, second step. Franklin Pierce. That is incorrect. <laughs> <sighs> Would you like to hear it with All a right. hint and get a second chance at it? Yeah, sure. Please. Okay. The hint is he roughly shares his name with an original Power Ranger character. Did you say roughly shares his name? Yes. This is William McKinley. Come on. Billy? There's okay, Jason? we'll say hold William on, wait, McKinley. There, wait, hold on. <laughs> Jason Alexander. Oh, oh! Zachary Tyler. It's Zachary that Tyler. That might be it. Zachary Tyler. Is that your answer? Yeah. Yes. That is incorrect. Oh, oh no. Because no. Zach, isn't Zach one of the original Power Rangers too? It is. Uh, he roughly Bill. shares his name with the Black Power Ranger. The Black Power Ranger's name is Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. Was the president. Yes, yeah, Zachary Taylor was the president. Who's Zachary Tyler. Tyler John Tyler was <laughs> John Tyler was a president two before Taylor. So you had William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, James Knox Polk, and then Zachary Taylor in that order. Uh, William McKinley definitely was assassinated in 1901. And the story about that is so ridiculous because uh, there was this anarchist who showed up in New York to, uh, you know, when McKinley was on the road giving one of his speeches. And he said, I'm going to go ahead and try to shoot him from the crowd. But he realized he was too far back to get an accurate shot. And he knew that if he tried and he failed, that would be his one chance he'd blow it. So the next day, the president had a meet and greet where basically the public, adoring public, could just wait in line to shake hands with the president so he patiently waited in line with his gun and when it was his turn he basically reached up and shot him 
What a son Jeez. of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last time you shoot me, Pagoda. That's the last time you put a knife in me. And the really messed up part about it is if modern medicine were in effect, uh, then uh, most likely uh, McKinley's uh, injuries would not have been lethal. He most likely would have survived the attack. But as it wow. was, he lingered until he eventually died of, you know, like sepsis infection, that sort of thing. Did you Damn. have to let him linger? Same with uh, William Henry Harrison. You know, modern medicine would have uh, probably helped him out, oh, but yeah. they gave him some leeches. Oh, and the um, and well, For same with, with Garfield. Garfield was poisoned by his doctors. He just kept poking unwashed hands into him, trying to find the bullet over and over <laughs> oh, and over no. until they killed him. It's um, like a tool music video. <laughs> but, I always uh, heard Garfield died from John Arbuckle. Yeah, putting no, him to sleep. No. <laughs> For but mailing that normal to Abu Dhabi too many times and put him down. But the funny thing with McKinley is Monday. that McKinley asked for forgiveness and mercy for his killer. He basically said, you know, please do not take this man's life. He he asked that, you know, please spare him. And as soon as McKinley died, they had a very speedy trial and execution of the dude. So Oh, they were like, Oh yeah, we'll take good care of him. Yeah. <laughs> Great question, Kenya. I don't know if I, I, I don't think I've asked that. I must've just read that recently and just forgotten the answer, but, uh, thanks for, uh, you know, helping cement it in there. Zachary Taylor, Zachary not John Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, uh, the set I've ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with the idea of the 20 year curse with presidents. Um, mm-hmm. Reagan was supposedly the one who broke it, uh, cause he was shot in 81, but he did not die. Right. And, um, and then Bush had, uh, Someone attempted to throw a grenade, I think, at him, but it didn't explode. And so we have to wait and see what happens with Biden to see if the curse comes back or not. Hopefully Biden survives his term in in good health um, and nothing happens to him because we don't want, you know, curses like that coming back. (laughs) No, let's let it stay broken. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, It's my turn now, and I have a question of U.S. regional dishes. Which U.S. state is known for its official nosh, chislic, C-H-I-S-L-I-C, deep-fried cubes of seasoned red meat on toothpicks served with hot sauce, ranch, or Lowry's seasoned salt, depending on where you are in the state. Which U.S. state... Yes, which U.S. state is known for its official nosh, nosh, chislic, C-H-I-S-L-I-C. Deep fried cubes of seasoned red meat on toothpicks served with hot sauce, ranch dressing, or Lowry's seasoned salt, depending on where you are in the state. Well, Mark, I can eliminate Louisiana. (laughs) That's not a thing we do. Um... Lowry's, I'm not really sure how to pin down Lowry's regionally. I know that, um, I know that I've seen it used in different places that I've lived, but I don't know if that's the place of origin. Um, a part of my brain is saying Oklahoma, but maybe that's just because there's a Lowry, Oklahoma. 
um, and that may not have anything to do with anything. I mean, Oklahoma may be a possibility, you know, I'm guessing we're thinking of somewhere where there might be a lot of cattle. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like seafood is a big thing in Maine and Oregon and California where there's water all around. Right. You know, yeah, the, the main area being, you know, somewhere where there is a lot of cattle and Oklahoma is one of those places. There's a Lowry, Oklahoma. That could be the home of Lowry season salt. It could be. I'd say it's as good a guess as that. I mean, I mean, honestly, like all we can really do is say it's probably not any of the coastal states. No. And no, it, definitely it could, not any of that. Mm-hmm. It could be not really, you know, like Louisiana, gumbo, jambalaya, stuff that has a lot of scrimps or sea, you know, fish, etc. Um, and it's not like Maryland. They're crazy about Old Bay for reasons. Um, <laughs> it could be Texas. It definitely could Possibly. be Texas. Um, I don't think it's Illinois because um, McCormick, I think, is. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Can, can you read the question again? Absolutely. Which U.S. state is known for its official nosh, chislick, deep-fried cubes of seasoned red meat on toothpicks, served with hot sauce, ranch, or Lowry's seasoned salt, depending on where you are in the state? Okay, yeah, definitely not Illinois. Definitely feeling more Oklahoma, Texas on this. Um, and uh, it could, could be, be Texas. Midwest. I mean, ranch is pretty big in the Midwest. Yeah, um, but it's also the hot sauce part. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma is a good choice. I mean, you know, there's a Lowry, Oklahoma. Yes. You you suss that part out. Fuck it. Let's go with Oklahoma. Okay. We're gonna say Oklahoma, where the wind, some something down the plain. No, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. And that's why, you know, there's no B in this either. That's why going with the implied hint, you know, can sometimes steer you wrong. It was uh, State Bill, I'm sorry, Senate Bill 96 in uh, 2018 that pronounced Chislick, the official state nosh of your neighbors to the south, Kenya, South Dakota. Oh, South Dakota is the answer. You can blame them. Lowry's mm-hmm. season salt actually was uh, uh, started at Lowry's Prime Rib Restaurant in Beverly Hills, a Californian oh. seasoning. Uh, wow. Just for your information there. And uh, Lowry's a favorite of Richard Nixon, apparently, <laughs> according to the Wikipedia page here. Give me some Lowry's. <laughs> it does sound good. I'm not a cook, good. but I'm a fan of Lowry's season salt. I do like Lowry's. <laughs> Lowry's is tasty. And yes, uh, this is from the Wikipedia page for Chislik. The word Chislik is arguably derived from the Turkic Turkic word Shaslik, itself rooted in shish kebab, the Turkish and Arabic term for skewered meats. So the toothpicks on the the meat. Chislik may have been introduced into the United States by John Holworth, who immigrated from Crimea to Hutchinson County, South Dakota in the 1870s. So an old favorite okay. there as well. I didn't know how that Crimea was going to work River. out, Kenya. If, if I was like a little scared, like maybe Chislik has moved its way up into North Dakota by now. But uh, no. I guess it's not too popular where you are. 
No, where I live, salt and pepper is a spicy seasoning. So, um, <laughs> okay. Where do yeah, you? What's your stance on spinderella? As in, cut up, cut it up one time. What? <laughs> yeah, you said salt and pepper. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mark's got shoop on the brain. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but, All right, uh, guys. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good question. I've never heard of it. I'm glad that they believe in hot sauce down there. Um, you know, I wish they did here. <laughs> it's, a, it's a step. It's a yes. step forward. You, you I wouldn't feel too bad about that. Nobody got that right at my uh, live trivia either. But um, when you mentioned you were from North Dakota, I was like, maybe they've got a chance. And that's the key. I'm not from here. I've been here two years. Yeah. And, you know, I'm learning. There's definitely some weird culinary traditions here. But, eh. Deep fried I, red meat. That's interesting. I don't know I would if like, I've had uh, I would like for you to meat. get some and, and so, we could, so we can get a report back. I, I kind of want some chislic now. Yeah, me too, man. Doesn't that sound like a great bar food? Yeah. So watching actually, some sports, drinking some beer, eating some chislic. Yes. I've actually never been to South Dakota. I, uh, so maybe I'll look for that if I ever, you know, well, at some point we'll travel down there, I'm sure, for something. Um, and I'll try, I'll be more than happy to check it out. Yeah. Right now, let us only- know. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, let us know, no nonsense listeners, if you've had chislic uh, and you can recommend it. Mm-hmm. Right now, the only things I know South Dakota for are Mount Rushmore and their unofficial slogan that they went with for a while called "Meth, we're on it." So <laughs> that, that's a that. real thing. Like that was a reverse psychology ad campaign, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it was one on of those things. Well, no, it was trying to uh, put a human face to the victims of like are the people who uh, have struggled with meth addiction. And so they oh. were trying to say it could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. Oh. It could be your cut. You know what I mean? So it was just a bunch of people standing around and going meth. We're on it. You know? Gotcha. And, I thought you guys um, had an aggressive uh, sheriff. Like we have down here where when they say they're on something, it means they're going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they yeah. literally had to put out a TikTok recently that said like, we will kill you is the language that they used. Oh my god. Yeah. Your tax dollars at work. Calm down a little bit. All right, guys, you ready for my last question? Yes. It's a sports question. Oh no. Mashy, Niblick, and Jigger are all antiquated names for equipment in what sport? Jigger. <laughs> yeah, Jay Z involved? Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> Mashy, M A S H I E, Mashy, Niblick, N I B L I C K, and Jigger, J I G G E R, are all antiquated names for equipment in what sport? Can you spell Niblick one more time? N I B L I C K. What's really sad is I'm struggling to try to make sense of this, some sort of logical academic connection, you know, to figure out what sport this could be. And mm. all my brain is doing right now is just going, ho, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Jay-Z, you can feel his presence in this question. <laughs> he, he is here in the room with us. I said, level. listen, Jigga man, I don't care if you rap, you better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me. Mm-hmm. Mashy, what what could these mean? What's a mashy? Like you mash the the ball? 
with your racket or what are you mashing? This sounds British as hell. A mashy <laughs> on the field, so, on the pitch. <laughs> um, a mashy niplet and jigger. What would a jigger do? Um, I keep thinking rigger, like they rig up like either sails or maybe fishing line or maybe a net. Like maybe it's like a tennis thing. Mm-hmm. Niblick. Niblick. <laughs> uh, it's interesting too that they got rid of all three of these terms. There's like a mm-hmm. revolution occurring or something. We hate yeah, these she- old words. Okay, so sports that this could possibly make sense. Um, so, okay, we've got, like, baseball, if it has to do with mashing what? What would you mash in baseball? Uh, basketball, there's a net. Hockey, there's a net. Um, I don't know if a jigger is related to nets at all. You know, I'm just... That was just the path that my brain went down. This I mean, is tough. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of all three of the words and seeing if something makes sense in connection with the sport when you know, I bring it up. Um, what do you think about the origin of these words? As far as where, like, do you think that these might be British? Do you think that these might be? They could be. Niplick. Like, could it be a a sport like cricket? It could be. I'm wondering if it could be something in football. Um, Mashy. Like American football? American football. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm just trying to retrofit these words into a sport and, and, you know, picturing the sport. Like, okay, what could be a mashy? What could be a jigger? Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, and then there are other sports too, right? I mean, there's pool. Pool's a sport. Yep. Um, ugh. God, this question. Jesus, Mark. Why? why? Soccer. <laughs> soccer, I was thinking, Love you guys. is a good broad. It's it's a large sport and it's played the world round. It so, is. So I was, you know, just by, I guess, numbers of players and stuff, maybe the most popular sport. I... You know, if I had, like, any thunder on, like, um, this could mean this, this could correspond to this, then I would argue it. I I don't have any thunder. You know what's a popular sport in the Olympics that Mm -hmm. flies under the radar a lot is swimming. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't realize, uh, especially here in the States, gymnastics is, like, the number one followed Olympic sport Mm -hmm. uh, in the, uh, the Summer Olympics. But swimming worldwide is the most followed, which a lot of people don't guess. And it's also a sport. Now, Mark, you said that these are not in use anymore. Uh, yeah, they're antiquated terms. I was going to say, maybe it's a, like a name for like one of these is like the name for like the platform that you jump off of or something or like the uh, 
the floaties that you know mark the lanes. I feel like that's a sport that's popular, but maybe people don't know the name of all the equipment. So I'm just throwing that out there. That could be an answer. These could be swimming terms. It could be. It could be curling. It could be. <laughs> yeah. Could be anything. I feel like we're we're so far in the weeds with this. Yeah. Yep. Um. So. You want to go with American football? Sure. American Let's football. End our suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's incorrect. Motherfucker! I mean, it's an uh, antiquated terms for equipment in what sport? The uh, the mashy is now what we know as a five iron, a niblick, <laughs> a nine oh. iron, and a jigger is a chipper. That is golf. Golf is the answer I was looking for. Golf never came up. Wow. Okay. No no one thinks about golf. The mashy (laughs) and the niblick and the jigger, all names for different uh, golf clubs. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the kind of the implied hint there is that there is a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, equipment in golf Mm -hmm. um, that is usually named. So, yeah. Golf. Okay. Fair I mean, enough. Fair. It's fair. It's a fair question. Just never crossed my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Good one. That's why it's the last one, baby. <laughs> Kenya, hopefully this isn't the last one that we're able to have you on as a guest. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for uh, joining us for this episode of the Nonsense so Story Podcast. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's fun. And we've got to get you on with Lisa. To have the dynamic duo, that would be a fantastic episode. We got that coming up. Oh, yeah. We'll schedule that. Anything you want to plug before we uh, head out? Um, The only thing uh, that, well, I guess a couple things. So, uh, like I said, I play competitive trivia in something called Online Quiz League. Um, If you want to Google that and find out more about it, it's... Um, I'd say not as hard as say like a quiz bowl sort of a situation. Well, actually, maybe it is as hard as quiz bowl. I don't know, mm. but it's uh, it's competitive and it's fun. Um, so if you like doing online trivia, then yeah, go for that. What's that Other called again? That, online quiz league. Online R-O-Q-L. quiz league. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. Awesome. And then the uh, only other thing that I like to just remind people of is that, hey, it's been a really hard couple of years. And um, it's especially we see it online, like discourse online can get very easily, very nasty, very snippy. And just a reminder to everyone to just, you know, uh be nice to one another, be caring towards each other. You don't know what other people are going through, Um, you know, and just to try to put more good into the world uh, than bad. And uh, on that same note, you know, if you're struggling, um, always reach out. Uh, for help if you need it there is um, you know if you're really struggling obviously there's like the national suicide hotline if you're looking for just a little bit of extra help there's uh, the National Alliance for Mental Illness or NAMI um, that has resources just keep in mind no matter where you are right now you're not alone and you don't have to struggle alone Um, there's always people who uh, want to help you and care about you so you know um just take care of yourself and take care of each other. That's, that's what I've got. Love it. Yes. Thank you so much for that, Kenya. And thanks again for joining us on this episode of the no nonsense interview podcast. Thank you. 
And thanks for listening, everyone. Please join us every Monday morning for a new episode by subscribing to No Nonsense Trivia Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can support the no-no in several ways. The easiest by sharing this episode on your social media accounts with your friends. You could also leave us a written review on your favorite podcast platform or... Like Kenya, you can support the podcast on Patreon by visiting our website, thenono.com, clicking the support link at the top, which will take you to our Patreon page. Thank you to our many Patreon supporters for helping us out with the show, including our quiz daddies, Brandon Long, Adam Volk, and Edme Esme, and Redcrest Fried Chicken. They have exceeded their goal, Redcrest, so yeah. they will be working on uh, getting uh, their... Oh, they've already been... Uh, the wheels in motion have already been starting with getting uh, the new Redcrest chicken open, uh, or <laughs> Redcrest chicken open, chicken Wonderful. and kitchen. They're just they're so close. Um, so congratulations to him and to them, uh, Tim with Pat's Garden Service, Tommy and Gil. It's Gil. Our team captains, Matt, Mo, Rick G, Skyler, Kristen, Fletcher, Lydia, OG, Aaron, and David Holbrook, David Holbrook, David Holbrook. Thank you to our proverbial light keepers, Frank, Trent, Grant, Rob, Captain Nick Williams, Kate, Rachel, Moo, Tim Gomez, a.k.a. Might Be 1984, Lucas, Carly, Sarah, Cooper, Hank, Luke, Manu, Matthew, Spencer, Lisa, Ryan, Adam, John Lewis, Nabil, Ricky F., Justin P., Justin passed a law that his own body's cheese must be fine, highly pleasing, and free from undesirable flavors and odors. That's disgusting. And Justin M? Justin made barely breathing by Duncan Sheik his ringtone after this episode. And thanks to our humble snailskins, Tim, Binsky, Nathan, Issa, Cy, Kara, Megan, Christopher, Brandon, Ed, Dylan, Sarah, Fox and Five, Laurel, Aaron, H-Bomb, Lauren, MJ, Stephen, Kenya... Dallas at all of my favorite things from the screen. Allison, Paige, Kevin, Sarah, Alex, Mike C. Mike collapsed into a neutron star. Mike J. Mike jerked his chislick in a Jamaican style. And Mike K. Mike knew the only way to end this bitter trivia food would be to convince the two warring teams to sign the Honda Accords. (laughs) (laughs) We also want to give a special thank you to our new Rumpelstiltskin, Aleo, and also to Michael K. and Ian for signing up for annual Proverbial Lightkeeper memberships. So thank oh, you so much to yeah. our new annual members. Don't forget, you get 15% off if you sign, off, uh, sign up for an annual plan, and it's a big help to keep things going over here. Uh, once again, if you'd like to write us with a rate my question or a missed correction, no nonsense trivia at gmail.com is the email address, or you can call us at 1 929 356 6969. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at No Nonsense Trivia and on Twitter at No Non Trivia. We have a Facebook group you can join as well. Just go on Facebook and search for the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast to join us there. And finally, don't forget to leave us a rating on your favorite podcast service. Five Five stars stars only, only, please. please. Until next time, No Nonsense listeners. Have a great week.